Hi, this is Kalia. And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer Thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment. And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get to it. Hi, Chris. Hi, Kalia. Happy September slash spooky season slash pride. Oh, well, you had me until you got to the end, but at least you're trying. I I'm like trying. that. I it's like just, that. it's habit, right? I just want to say happy pride all the time. Happy pride. Well, happy, happy, happy pride. pride every day of the year for all our LGBTQ plus community members. Absolutely. Exactly. And you know that like there's a couple major holidays for our people, Chris, and Halloween is one of the major holidays for our people. So, I mean, I know that people want to know, uh, oh, goes the werewolf. Where, what, is, what are we doing? Halloween watch. Do, okay. Do, do, do. So this is all about Chris's pathetic Halloween shopping adventures <laughs> over the years. <laughs> I just want you to know, you know, those, those big plastic, I want to say Tupperware, but they're not Tupperware. Those storage containers that you buy to put stuff in, in the garage or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're called they're totes, like, I think. Totes. Okay. So they're like three feet long and a foot wide, whatever. So. Mm -hmm. Don't feel I'm deprived because I have eight to 10 of those that are filled with Halloween decorations. And let me just clarify the reason for that is I, there's lots of reasons for that, but basically I, I was a DJ and event planner at the North Tower Circle for many, many years. And I was in charge of decorating every Halloween. So I have lots and lots of Halloween decorations. So, and I love Martha Stewart's Grandin Road, Halloween Haven, Halloween haven you can find it online and i'm just telling you they have the best halloween direction or decorations ever but they're not cheap by any stretch of the imagination so every year i try to allot myself one to three <laughs> decorations and that was a lie but let's just go with that one to three so anyway if you were listening last show i said i had some stuff in my shopping cart and i still do Ah. I did I did remove the expensive item, which was like $199, because I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Took it out. So I'm down to like three items in the cart. But I have not pulled the trigger yet. Okay. I have a practical question. I have two practical questions for you, as I am not a super Halloween decorated person. My first question, will you order it in time to make sure you have it by October 1st to decorate? Because sometimes things take a while to ship. Like, aren't you getting nervous, Chris? It is already a like a quarter of the way through the month of September. Tick tock, tick tock. And my other question for you is you said last show that you're not going to decorate until like first weekend of October. Right. And then you're going to take it all down in November, the first weekend of November. Oh, That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, just from like a calorie and and <laughs> movement and a lot of work kind of standpoint, that is a lot of work to decorate oh, for like okay. three and a half weeks. I'm just okay. saying. Well, but let me clarify again. I basically decorate my dining room table and a couple of little tables in the living room. I have a very small house. I do not decorate outside at all. And I don't decorate for the kids because Halloween is not for the children. I know Kaylee is making a face. I, I don't believe in Halloween's for the children. I think it's for the adult gay people. 
And I like a very specific kind of Halloween direction. Do not bring a pumpkin covered in glitter anywhere near me because I will not enjoy it. I don't like cheesy Halloween decorations. And I can tell by your face, you have several of them. I would just like to say to our audience guests that you can drop off your glitter covered pumpkin <laughs> to the offices of KFCF right there in the tower. With Sean and Pine, please make sure you label it that this is for Chris. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie The Help? Uh, no, I read the book. Oh, because there's a scene. I don't know if it's in the book, but there's a scene in the movie where they she puts in the newsletter instead of drop off. I don't know what it's supposed to be, but she says drop off your commodes. And then, yes. Yes. What's it yes. supposed to be instead of commodes? I don't even remember, but I do remember. But anyway, all, the they, all these people drop off the toilets in the front yard. But I will gladly take your glitter Halloween decorations and smash the fuck out of them. So if you want to drop them off, I just don't like cutesy halloween i like and i don't like skeletons i like i like classic kind of sleepy hollow kind of you know decorations (laughs) anyway that's it for my halloween update i have not bought anything yet and tiktok tiktok exactly tiktok indeed i know we were just now recently discussing costumes because if you order anything you gotta order it in the beginning of oh do you guys go out all in costume not always, but sometimes. Last year, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. I think it was the year before. Um, We had a great, oh, it was the year before. We had a great family costume plan for my husband, my daughter, and myself. It was great. I ordered everything in August. Stuff was coming from China, and his part of the costume didn't get here until the middle of November. So obviously we had to- I remember that, but that was that COVID? I mean, it was- it was right two, at the end of COVID. Two yeah. years ago, yeah. So anyway- yeah. Got to order on time, people. Okay, no, this is a very important question. I know then we got to move on, but candy corn, yay or nay? Oh, I love candy corn. Okay, We're, we can stay friends. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm so relieved. Thank you. Have, okay, We'll have a candy corn uh, emoji on the next episode. There you so. go, people. You can drop off all of your unwanted candy corn to the offices of KFCF <laughs> on the corner and of Sean and, and Pine. Pine. Please do, but wrap it up before you drop it off, would you? Wrap it up before you do anything before you drive yeah well basically there you go all right what's next where are we going oh chris we're going to clovis and Ah! we're going and we're and we're going back in time to a time where people lost their ever-loving minds when people other people talked about sex oh my gosh (laughs) actually we won't go all the way back to the 50s even though some people in clovis want us to go back into the 50s what we will do is we will go back in time to June. Now, some of you might remember what happened in June, and I will tell you what happened in June. Diane Pierce, who is a city council person of Clovis, posted on her city council Diane Pierce Facebook. This is important. It's not her private Diane Pierce Facebook. She has a private Diane Pierce Facebook. I've seen it. It exists. This is her official Diane Pierce council person of Clovis. Yeah, it's called Diane Pierce Clovis city council person or something like that. Okay. Anyways, on that page, she posted a picture of one of the pride displays in the one of the Fresno County libraries and said, y'all might want to wait to take your kids to the library until after June and basically doubled down on this whole idea that there were LGBT books in the kids section and that was horrible and wrong. How dare they? This is so disappointing. Yada, yada, yada. And yada, then yada, yada. the comments came out you know there was pushback there was a lot of pushback in the comments people were like it's pride month and also these are just books and these are fine and what's your problem and blah 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 blah. 
anyways, eventually, fast forward a little bit, she's decided that she's going to really double down. She's going to try to back away from the LGBT aspect of her shenanigans and focus on her angst and anger on one book that was part of that display, which has now been returned to its normal place in the library. It is a sexual education curriculum book called It's Perfectly Normal. And as a sex education curriculum book, it talks very frankly about, are you ready? Sex. Sex. Yes. And it talks about um, how to avoid abuse. And it gives all the anatomical definitions of words. It where talks, babies come from. It talks about where babies come from. It talks about hormones. It talks about masturbation. It talks about self-love. It talks about all the things that, to be honest, kids need to know. And on right. this book, it says ages 10 and up. It's supposed to be gone through with the teacher or a parent. Remember, it is sex education. Anyways, this is the book. She does not think it should be in the children's department actually she just doesn't think it should be in the library well let me tell me this i didn't know this this was in another section and they put it in the pride section i must have missed that little detail i mean i guess it would have had to be because i don't do they have a permanent pride display or was it just for june okay so it wasn't another section i mean all of those books were technically in a quote other section because they're they have a temporary pride display they pull books from a variety of places in the library and they stick them in there. So now, they don't maintain a pride display year round. It was no, just for June. Okay. It was just for June. So anyways, the, she went to the city council because she's on the city council. And she's like, we should write a letter to the county board of supervisors and say, hey, there's books in the library that we don't like. And the city council was kind of like, oh, wow, this has never come up before. And we're not really sure what to do. And sure, I guess. Yeah, let's write a letter. So last month at their last city council meeting, they said, yeah, we're going to write a letter and we're going to send it. Great. Well, the letter that they wrote is vague to the point of stupid, and it's signed by three of the council members on official city council letterhead. And this created quite a fervor in the community, as you might imagine. First of all, a lot of us can point out the hypocrisy. It's it's not about this particular book. She started her campaign with anti-LGBT. Now she's changed courses halfway through the river, so to speak. But we all know what it is. She's asking for these books to be reviewed, which basically is the first step to getting a book removed, which is basically book banning. It's it's taking a book away from the library. It's taking right. the choice of whether or not you read this book with your children away from the parents, which is, you know, not what small government is supposed to do. But but OK, there's a lot of issues with this. So so a lot of people showed up last night. And again, what the city council was trying to determine last night or two nights ago at the point when this episode comes out was whether or not the letter as it currently stood should be sent. And almost 40 people got up and said, no, this letter is dumb. Don't ban books. Don't take away stuff from the LGBT community. Representation matters. This is sex education. It deserves to be here. This is not just being handed out. Let's remind you that children in the library are supposed to be accompanied and supervised by a designated adult. So this is not the kind of thing where a five-year-old is just going to pick up this book, flip it to the page where they're talking about intercourse and be traumatized. That's not a realistic scenario. Okay. A lot of other points were made. Some people were like, hey, let's actually talk about the definition of porn. This is not pornographic. Hey, let's talk about the fact that there's already a process in the library system. If you see a book that you don't like, you should have gone through the process. There were people who made the point that 
librarians don't just willy-nilly pick up books and stick them places. Every book in the library has gone through a vetted system. These are professional librarians who have made these choices. So many facts were given. Seven people on the other side stood up. A couple of them were a little... <laughs> I was going to say crackadoodle, but yes, you know, one world order and, you know, big pharma vaccines. Yeah. All and I'm not saying that to diminish all the people that spoken out in favor of sending this letter, but there were two or three that were really, they were definitely know. off the rails or Marxist, right. you know, propaganda, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Right. Um, to be fair, there was a couple people on our side who really lost the thread and right. kind of were all over the map as well. So right. that happens everywhere, but we're talking Almost 40 versus seven. So yeah. that's a big difference. Some of the people who were there saying, yes, this letter should happen, had printed out five foot tall posters of some of the pages in question. And they took a very extreme delight in walking around the chambers and shoving these pictures. Yeah, they had the actual book. copies of the pictures that are in the book. And again, the book, the book is for children 10 and up, and it is sex education. And there are images in the book that show the male body, the female body, the internal organs, people laying in bed together, not having sex, but laying in bed together on the section where they're talking about how humans reproduce, et cetera. So they reprinted these things. There's one picture in particular of a girl who's uh, reaching behind her with a magnifying glass or a mirror to see her vagina, which is uh, incredibly normal. They're teaching children about their sexual organs. So they paraded and these around. As a person with a vagina, I can tell you, unless you use a mirror, it's real awully hard to see it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yours, Chris, I'm sorry, we don't want to get too TMI here, but like yours dangle out in the front. Mine's out there. Yours. Yeah, yeah. You I know? don't like the, the word dangle, but it's out there. <laughs> but women have to look and girls, we have to like. I contort ourselves and use a mirror and as you our... would in any part of your body your exactly. ear your mouth anywhere it's, it's our bodies and we deserve to know what they look like for goodness right. sakes at the bare minimum anyways so at the end of all of that three hours of, of public comment back and forth on and on and on and on and on they determined that the letter would not be sent that was the final vote now okay there's a little bit of a caveat to that as sitting city council members, the city council members currently have the right and privilege to send a letter to almost anybody, including the Board of Supervisors, on official city council letterhead and say, I, as city council person X, have this opinion. Here's my opinion. The end. They already have that right. So we know that that is going to happen. And then today, Diane Pierce posted on Facebook the letter that she's planning on sending to the Board of Supervisors, basically saying... Yeah, you know, there's these books in the library, and I think that they're questionable, and I think that you should do something about it. Now, she doesn't say what books they are. She doesn't say what she thinks that they yeah, should do. Yeah, it was interesting. Today, she's saying books. Yeah. On Tuesday night, mm -hmm. all she talked about was the one book, the uh, It's Perfectly Normal, and, and, and really strongly only talked about that book. People kept trying to, you know, get her to say what other books she was upset about, but she only mentioned this book. Mm-hmm. And again, not not actually a call to action. There's no proof. There's no, here's my list of constituents who have called in. There's no actual number of people. It just says numerous people, et cetera. So that's where we're at. And of course, that's within her right to do as a city council person. But- But a little backstory on how that came to it with the letters is they their initial vote or discussion of a vote was let's do nothing. And let's, at least as far as official city council members, 
and we can just send letters personally from our personal you know letterhead meaning your own personal stationery and we can we're allowed to do that and the city manager or somebody else there who is as uh, knowledgeable about procedural stuff said well you've already given each other permission to send stuff out individually with city council logos so you can do that so that's how we got to that decision yeah for sure again that was a right and privilege they they already have and it was good that it was clarified because when the motion was first done it was said personal letterhead and then they had to clarify that they meant the city council personal letterhead not like you know the the stationery your grandma bought you with you know right and the the council member who brought up that we should do this individually is drew bessinger who was one of the most level-headed council members at that meeting last night. Yeah, and it was nice to see. Drew actually said he went to the library. He looked at all the books that that she had originally posted about. He found one in the adult section where that's where it should be. Spoiler alert, that's one of the books that Chris and I are reading for Band Book Month and, and Week, and we will be talking about it in October. He doesn't like that the fact that this It's Perfectly Normal book was in the children's section. He says he personally doesn't think that this is a book that should be accessible to fourth graders. And he personally had a problem with it. I don't agree with him, but that is his right as a person to say, I don't think that this, you know, I don't like this book. I just don't think that we should say just because you don't like a book that it should be removed from the section of the library. And I think it was pretty apparent last night. And somebody, I think Vong was the one that, you know, confirmed it at the meeting. There were people over and over that said librarians are educated people who are trained in where to put the books, how to direct people when they go to checkout books. They know all of this stuff. So they know where a book should go and what category it should be in. And there is procedure if you have a complaint about it mm-hmm. and you follow this procedure and there's a process when you follow that procedure to re-examine a book or or look at a book again, content, et cetera. And I don't think they had any idea about that. No. And also Drew from PFLAG was there. Hi, Drew. I know you listen. One of the points that he made was that this book has been published. It was published in 1994. It's been in the library system for decades. And it wasn't until Diane noticed it as part of the pride display in June that suddenly it's a big deal. Which and, don't you think that I, I, sorry to interrupt you, but don't yeah. you think that's important that let's forget about Diane for a second, although it's hard to do that. Don't you think that if this book was so blatantly offensive and dangerous to children, some parent at some point in the last 25 years or 30 years with 25 revisions would have said, especially let's just go Clovis to the city council or somebody, Hey, this book's in the library. Nobody did. As far as we've been able to ascertain, there has not been any of those forms filled out about this book. So what's the deal? Here's the deal. The deal is this. If you are a parent who wants to do comprehensive sex ed with your kid, then you go to the library or you buy it on Amazon or whatever you do, right? You get the book. And if you're a parent who doesn't believe in comprehensive sex ed for your kid, you're not going to go seek this book out. So it's kind of a moot point because if you want it, it's there. And if you don't want it, nobody's forcing you to take it. This isn't required reading. This isn't even at a school library. Right. It's an option. Freaking public library. So let's talk about the fact that there are lots of LGBT representations in this book. So we wonder, let's Mm -hmm. say this was 
a book that excluded LGBT people and it was only about straight people and their sexual um, health and all that, would it have been attacked by Diane the way it is? Well, she would never have noticed it because it wouldn't have been part of the pride display. And oh, then, true. of course, it wouldn't be on her radar. So I think that in the addition. That's sense- a very good point, Kalia. That's a right. very good point that, the, you know, she says it's not about LGBT, but the reason she noticed this book. Mm-hmm. is because it was in the LGBT section. And the reason this book is in the LGBT section is because it has gone through many revisions in the last 30 years, and they have added LGBT representation. So Diane might have picked this book up in 1994, or the year 2000, or 2004, or 2008, or 2010. And on those older editions, they didn't talk about LGBT issues because they didn't do it at that point. Now that they're doing it, now that we have decided as a society that representation matters and that all people, no matter what your sexual orientation is, deserve comprehensive sexual education, now right. suddenly it's a problem. Let me just say this, that Diane wrote a letter to the an op-ed to the Fresno Bee a while back when all this controversy happened about her going after the pride display. And she says in this, in this Fresno op-ed, this is not about the LGBT community. This is about specific, this is, quote, this is specifically about graphic sexual content and illustrated pornography, unquote. Of course, she doesn't understand what pornography is. But this sentence, a couple of sentences, is really important when she's claiming it's not about LGBT people. She says, there is only one reason this debate has centered on that community and conversations across the country. It is because the LGBTQ community seems to be the group continually pushing this on kids. However, my stance is against any and all graphic sexual content being peddled to our kids, unquote. So she's saying it's not just the graphic sexual content. It's that our community is responsible for that graphic, as she describes it, sexual content. Yeah. And of course, they trot out the same lines. We're all pedophiles. We're all groomers. Apparently, there was a lot of keyboard warriors because a lot of us were physically in the space last night. Yes, Chris and I crossed the line and went to Clovis, you guys. It happened. Yeah. But without a- dinner, I did it without dinner. Oh my God, yes. But <laughs> a lot of people stayed home and watched it stream live and were able to be all disgusting and bigoted in the comment section online because it's very easy to post negative, hurtful, incorrect statements from the safety of your couch. Misinformation, right. Right. It's, it's so it's fascinating to me though that that like that was the thing, the people in the chamber, the people who actually made the effort to show up, again predominantly were on the side of comprehensive sexual education being allowed for everybody, including LGBT youth. And- Absolutely. So uh, uh, a little addition to this is Diane, as Kaylee mentioned, posted her letter today that she sent off to the county board of supervisors, and I'm not going to read it to you. You can find it on her page, but I asked her. As soon as I saw this post today, I said, can you, because they never said last night or they kept saying parents have complained, but that was all they said. Numerous is the word. Numerous. Yeah, Yeah. that was, that's important because she says in her first letter that was not sent out numerous. She says now in her, not in her letter, but in her response to me, I said, Diane, can you please disclose how many parents complained about this book? And she said, I can only speak for myself, but hundreds, hundreds. I call bullshit. Um, yeah, I call bullshit too because there were more than seven people last night that were supporting Diane Pierce, but only seven people spoke, and the extras were in the crowd holding up these posters that we talked about earlier. If there were hundreds 
of people that did this, that venue last night would have been so much more crowded than it was. And let's let's just take a second. Okay, on all the posts that she has put online, the comment section has predominantly been against her. Okay? Right, right. Which means that the people who are for her would have to take the next step. They'd have to make a phone call, send an email, show up. But even if at the bare minimum, make a phone call or send an email. Now, people, let's think it through. How many of you feel very strongly about something? And how many of you have actually made a freaking phone call or right. sent a freaking email? Most of us are, are more likely to like a comment, make a comment on Facebook, but that taking that extra step, a big deal. that's why when, when you do those calls, it matters because they know that for every call they get, it represents maybe a dozen people who feel similarly, but who don't have the spoons or the time or the energy to make the call and blah, 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 blah. Right. Exactly. So you're telling me that hundreds of people <laughs> took time out of their lives to call you personally or send emails. Again, I say BS. I would like some proof. I feel like this is one of those places where people can just lie because nobody's going to call them on it. Nobody's going to demand that there's proof. If there was a petition, because here, let me tell you this. It's a democracy, right? And and city council is a democracy and we do live in a democracy. If there was a petition out there that had 5,000 signatures of Clovis residents saying, we're prop, you know, this book is a problem. Then we have a different problem. We have a PR problem. And that is the problem that we can focus on. We can change hearts and minds. This book isn't pornography. This book is this, yada, yada, yada. But we don't have that. But we and have we would have physical proof if we And we that. would have physical proof. But we have is somebody just saying that there's hundreds of people who feel And not way. only saying that, but she specifically said, I personally have been approached by hundreds of people. Now, a couple of, I think one, I think only one, and it might've been Vong and I, I might be wrong, so don't quote me on that, also said people have complained. So if Diane's personal repertoire of people who have complained is hundreds, how many more could there be? That would be, what, a thousand? There's five city council members if they all got, there's no way in hell those are the numbers. And I don't believe for a second that Diane had hundreds of people. Approach her. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I, I definitely. Yeah. So that is how it stands right now. <laughs> and we will be following the story, of course, as it develops. Who knows if there's going to be more letters? Who knows what the Board of Supervisors will do? We will reach out to the Board of Supervisors. I'm very curious what the policy is. We're working on getting um, somebody from the Fresno Library on one of our shows later in the month. That is proving to be a little bit of a tricky wicket, but we're working on it. And at least right now we have a statement that I will save for um, a future episode if we can't get uh, somebody actually to talk to us live. I will say, you know, it's terribly important. And I know it's not easy to go to these meetings. And like I said, Kaylee and I were there for three and a half hours last night. It's a long time. It's important that our community speaks out at these meetings. And that's why we went like, you know, 40 some of us spoke in Clovis, no less to this uh, matter when they only had seven. That shows them. And some of them spoke about this at the end when they were coming to their conclusion, how powerful it was what we said. They also kind of, yeah. you know, backtracked yeah. over that, but. They also said that they had gotten over 50 submitted 
comments as well. And we don't right, and know. Letters, yeah. Yeah. We don't know what the breakdown was of that, obviously. But we do know that even the people online, they, they gave a chance for people online to speak. And the two people who waited their turn to actually speak and not just say disgusting comments were both on our side on right, that as right. well. So yeah, now you might be saying, well, I can't go to meetings. I don't have child care. I don't have gas money to get to Clovis. I refuse to go to Clovis on moral grounds, whatever your thing is. I get it, right? We all have to help in our own ways. One of the ways that you can help is by you as a private citizen can write a letter to the board of supervisors and say, hey, I am glad that there is an LGBT pride displays in my Fresno County libraries. Thank you. Dear County Board of Supervisors, thank you for continuing to have comprehensive sex education books available to my community. The end. Now, maybe that's too much, you know? Okay, maybe you're intimidated by the Board of, of Supervisors. Great. You can do the same thing to your local library. You can send an email. You can send a letter. You can make a phone call. All of those things are things that you can do. And if they can do it, we can do it. You know, it's important because they keep track of these things. Um, at the meeting last night at the end, she held up a bunch of letters. And I don't know if it was all 50, but it felt like it was. She held them up because they had printed them. So they pay attention. They do. And let's say that that's intimidating for you <laughs> and you're not ready for that, but you still want to do something. Right now, Fresno Library is having a big membership drive. They're trying to get more library cards out to more people. So if you don't have a library card, go get a library card because even that small th and then check out a book. You don't have to check out one of these books. Check out any book. It doesn't matter. The, the idea is that when we use the library, we continue to have the library. And some of us use the library a lot. Some of us never use the library. But my goodness, wouldn't we all be sad if the library ceased to exist? If it so stopped being a safe place and a place where people who couldn't afford to buy whatever they want off of Amazon book-wise can go and actually get books. Yeah, because, I mean, I admit I'm spoiled. If I want a book, I order it on Amazon and I get it. But remember that there are a lot of people that are trying to pay food bills and child bills and electric bills, and they can't do that, but they want to read and they want to explore the universe. They do it through the library. And there's so many kids programs in the library. I will tell you, as, as a parent, being able to take my kid to the free arts and crafts things that they have in the summer is such a such a blessing. The kids sections, there's always toys there. They keep them very clean. There's little computers so the kids can learn how to do stuff. The library is great. They have a lot of really amazing programs at the library. I strongly suggest everybody go check it out. And, and if we don't support them, they could go away, people. So Support them. Support your library. Okay. Speaking of supporting local places, things, and people, um, and and also speaking of again, some of like the the consequences you might not always think about when something like this Diane Pierce thing comes up. Because again, Chris and I can go. We're we're very vocal. We are okay with putting ourselves out there. And it's not always safe for other people to do it. And part of that is because there, when anytime any of this stuff comes out, it brings us out and it brings out other people too, like the Proud Boys. And when people like the Proud Boys get all hot and bothered, they show up at places and they cause a scene. And we know from past experience, we know that they like to come and disrupt our events. You all might remember that they showed up at the Our Savior's Lutheran Church at the drag event back in December and caused a big kerfuffle. We all know that they show up at things where they know the LGBT people are going to be. I was actually kind of surprised that there wasn't anybody there earlier this 
week at the at the Clovis City Council. Yeah. And I'm curious to see if Real Pride, the film festival that's coming in October here into Fresno, if they will be there as well. I don't know if this kind of Diane Pierce stuff is going to rekindle some angst from these people or if it's just going to be its regular thing. Unfortunately, we did not get a chance to talk to our next guest about the Proud Boys and any conflicts that they might be seeing we just didn't talk about it but we did get a chance to talk to kathleen who is on the board of real pride about real pride the 34th annual real pride event that's back in the tower this year so let's go ahead and jump right into that interview with kathleen and real pride let's 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 talk about something a little bit positive and happy here i'm ready okay kathleen tell us about real pride As you may know, and maybe some of your listeners as well, Real Pride 34 is returning back to the Tower Theater. Woohoo! Yeah, woo! 34, wow. Yeah, I know, 34. We're going to have Tower Theater, of course, and we're going to have Vista Theater, which is connected to the Music Academy just down the road. And then we're going to also have Fresno City College and their theater as well. So we have three venues taking place during September 29th and October 1st. And of course, the closest and dearest thing to my heart is the Youth Festival or the film series that we offer. That is going to take place Friday, September 29th, and it's going to be from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. It is a free event for youth. We'll have a resource fair there for them. We'll have wonderful Richie's Pizza available and uh, the opportunity for them to network, find out some information about college, and then, of course, see free films and some shorts and a a great feature, actually. So we're really hoping to get a, a good amount of youth from not just Fresno, but also the surrounding areas. And I know last year we had as far away as Riverdale, which I think is really important for some of the smaller towns, ag towns. We have a Riverdale. Where is Riverdale? Is Archie there? Yeah, it's all, it's uh, on the way to Hanford. It's this okay. little tiny farming town. It's There's a lot of farm workers out there. And uh, to see a group of kids from there is kind of amazing. In fact, uh, Melissa Knight, one of our longtime sponsors, is from there. And she's happy to see her high school out. So Cool, yeah. cool. Let me ask yeah. you, uh, you're going back to the Tower Theater after, you know, all the craziness with the Adventure Church. Yes. Is that process secure? How did that go? I want a little dirt, Kathleen. <laughs> I got buckets of mud, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. It's been difficult. And I'm I'm trying to give grace in that things are new for people. And it's one of those moments where it shouldn't be this difficult. It really shouldn't. So it's run by the city right now? So it's owned by the city and they contract with a management company. I believe it's 809 Management. They used to basically take care of strummers. I, you know, I feel for them because I think they're used to a very specific event and the way things are set up. Our festival, other than Fresno Filmworks, is really like nothing in the city. So I imagine it's difficult to, you know, customize something or something as customized as Real Pride to stick it in a box that is meant for concerts. But yeah, we've we've had some issues. We had signed a contract back at the end of June when Lawrence was still the management on behalf of the city. And apparently... Even though there was an offer and we signed, somebody somewhere didn't sign. And then we started having back and forths a few months later. And we just barely worked something out a couple of days ago. So, so it's a done deal. It's a done deal. We'll okay. see how it unfolds. Because there's a lot of really interesting language in the contract that, I mean, let's be brutally honest here. And I'm going to be raw and I'm probably going to say this from the stage. There's a lot of language in this already preformed contract that will kill Real Pride. 
plain and mm. simple. Can I, I just ask, is it LGBTQ related or is it just business related? Well, so I, I have two answers for that. I think the contract in the way that it's been drafted, which in all fairness to current management, has been in use since um, the city took over with Lawrence. Okay, so in, in their defense, the contract existed before they managed. My second piece of that answer is this. Anytime there's an LGBTQ organization, it's LGBTQ related. Right. I, I don't I don't care if it's positive, negative, or neutral. We are the community. So if we're involved, it's related. Right. I don't think it's purposeful in terms of how things are happening. I will, however, say that the language of the contract does not favor nonprofits. Hmm. And that's what we're looking at. Oh, I see. By way of example, if we were to sell anything in the lobby, whether it's a pack of licorice or a T-shirt, all proceeds go to management. To management of Tower Theater. Correct. Even though historically that stuff has gone to either Real Pride or other nonprofits in the city. Correct. And as you know, Chris, Real Pride used to basically pay for all the candy so that our, our members could have access, right? And then right. we started saying hey, whatever org is operating it, take the profits. And that was our way of giving back to the community and, you know, a little something. Under the language of the contract, not feasible. We would ha actually have to have management say, hey, we'll do this favor or solid for you. Interesting. Which, you know, was part of a conversation not that long ago where they offered, uh, we were offered to take, um, graciously offered to take 50% of our bar sales. Huh. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm going to tell you, I... You know, I, I was when I first heard of, of some possible issues, um, I was very straightforward. I felt courteous, but I said this will kill real pride. This cannot work this way. We, of course, have a short term answer now and we will be at the Tower Theater. But long term, we have to look at how does this how does this work for us as an organization? And we know the community wants us in the tower. We know they want us in the theater. But where are they willing to step up to offset some of these things that are now in place? Because if we can't rely on bar sales next year and lobby sales or anything else like that, people are going to have to really decide financially, do they want real pride in the Tower Theater? And it's not cheap. It, in fact, I think it's probably more expensive this year than we've had in the years past. So in other words, you might have to raise the ticket prices and everything for Real Pride to make up for the fact that you're losing liquor sales and other sales at the Tower Theater. Well, I don't even know if ticket prices would offset it, to be honest, Chris. If, if oh. you don't, you know, if you look at the years, you know, the trend over the past few years, we've had a number of members that just aren't coming out anymore. Again, we're 34 years old and our original patrons have advanced 34 years. Right, true. So, you know, <laughs> such, a sweet, such a sweet way to put it, Kathleen. Diplomatically, she's saying half of them are dead. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and a lot of us are old. I mean, I, there are many nights where I'm like, I don't want to go out. I'm sitting home. Let me ask you, it was at Fresno City, and that seemed to work pretty well. Is the main reason to put it back in the tower, the nostalgia and the, the tie-in to the tower community? Is that like the main driving force? What else is the benefit of being in the tower? Well, that's a question that I'll leave half of my Royal Pride hat on and half of it off. Okay. So for, you know, I, this is my 10th year and I will tell you by year two or three, I really disliked giving um, Lawrence Abadi 15000 for an empty theater, primarily because I knew he was a homophobe, you know, allegedly. And oh, then- it's not allegedly. 
I'll be the one to say that, Kathleen. It's not alleged. Though. Well, you know, I, I don't want to get, you know, tagged for slander. I'll take it. I'll take it. The views expressed in this podcast belong to Chris Jarvis and Chris Jarvis alone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The other component was, you know, it was an empty building. So we were paying for a projector, a screen, lights, everything. So we were like 30,000 in easily, whether it was three days or five days. And it just wasn't financially feasible for an all volunteer board. So, you know, we, we could have moved many different places. But the second layer to your question is our members for whatever reason, feel like we originated here in the Tower Theater. You know, that's not exactly accurate, but I understand why a lot of people have this wonderful connection. You know, it's a walkable space in Fresno, right? Right, and it's the gay district of Fresno. Yeah, I mean, it, no, for you know, sure. Yeah. We keep trying to make it the gay district. If the if the businesses will stop fighting us, we can right, do that. true, true. Which is a whole different podcast. Um, right. But I will say this is where we feel the most safe and secure and a lot of times it's because of the bars that are around us and the you know most of the businesses that welcome us right i understand that the problem comes with real pride you know that is the nostalgia component that is the piece we want to make sure that people feel safe comfortable in where they are but the reality and the fiscal part of it for real pride is somebody coming in watching a single film at ten dollars a ticket doesn't really help us thrive let alone keep us stable. When we were at City College, I got so many emails from names that I do not recognize saying, oh, why are you not at the Tower Theater? A group of us used to get together for dinner every night and go watch a movie. And, you know, I pride myself a little bit on knowing most of the long-term patrons. And it just, I, I got a lot of those emails saying, hey, we want you back. And we're happy to come back. We're happy to listen to the community, give them what they want. But at the same time, we need their support in more than just, I'm going to buy a ticket. We need them to come out, bring their friends, buy a pass, do, do something that you know that financially is going to support. And we do have members like that. I've had at least five members in the last week and these are regular pass holders say, we want to go up to sponsorship level, which is $1,000. And these are members that have been coming longer than I've, than I've been coming. And we appreciate those people. But they are few and far between. We need the vast majority of the community saying, we want this here to step up and support this community. Do you think that part of the drop-off of attendance is because nowadays we can stream more gay films they're just more accessible you don't only have to wait until one time a year to to see obviously streaming red white and royal blue at my home is not a community event but it is access we right. have access to a lot of queer cinema and television shows so is this like an unforeseen drawback of of so much more representation and easy access is that events like this real pride are suffering Possibly for a specific demographic. I will say for the demographic that should be the incoming youth, right? Our, our, our 30-somethings, our 20-somethings, our teens. I think that is absolutely impactful. For our long-term members, I don't believe so. One, we never show a film that is streaming, right? So we're going to show original content. Two, the majority of people who come to this festival, they come to see people they haven't seen in a year. They come to be part of the community. And that really is the biggest draw for a lot of people. And, and the previous example I gave in terms of people emailing, say, 
saying we used to come to dinner and, and you know, how, buy a ticket and do whatever. That's still that whole component of community. It's just they're finding the community outside of the walls of the film. And, and it's important that we recognize, yes, we throw parties, but we also have films. And, you know, they can go to any one of our partners like Splash, and we encourage them to do that. We have after parties there and go hang out. But we can't have an event without an, attending the event. And that seems to be what is happening. We're having people who are now more used to just attending the event for the social component outside of the walls, as opposed to going in watching the film and financially supporting the film festival. Let's talk about a film that I am really interested in at this festival called 1946. Tell us about that film. So that film comes to us courtesy of a recommendation by Paul Swearingen. You know, a few months back when Cornerstone had their, you know, dark side of the rainbow or whatever it is that they said. That was it, yeah. Yeah, myself and the board decided that we were going to have our own introduction of what this looks like. And we decided that we were going to intentionally look for religious films that address this type of hatred within our community. And 1946 is one of those films that actually address the hatred within the community. It talks about how the Bible has been manipulated in terms of this morally, you know, extremism. And we have two other movies that will be bookending those. And we have a panel of three local spiritual leaders that are going to come and speak right after uh, 1946 and just address some of the issues. And these are all affirming churches, of course. Oh, I was going to say Jim Franklin's part of that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> who are your three spiritual leaders who are going to be? So we, we have the Episcopal Church coming out. So Padre uh, Nelson Serrano. And then uh, the other one is Anna Lopez. And then the third one, my, the person who's booking the talent hasn't told me the third one, but she, uh, I think she told me it was from the UU. So I'm not sure who they'll be sending. And we're trying to get a very specific moderator for the panel, but we haven't confirmed anything. So we'll, we'll withhold that. But we do have we do have some spiritual leaders that are come out and just kind of quickly address some of the ideas behind it and answer some questions. So let me just say that uh, according to what I've seen online, and I haven't seen the film, but it states that it's about the mistranslation of the Bible, where they trace the origins of the anti-gay movement among Christians to a grave mistranslation of the Bible in 1946. So do you know what that mis- or is that a spoiler? Should we just save that for the film? Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, but basically this is about how all this condemnation of homosexuals that's based on the Bible is really not based on the Bible. It's based on a mistranslation of the Bible. Am I right? Well, you know, that seems to be the theme whenever we use the Bible as a weapon, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know, it, whenever you insert humankind, there's going to be something wrong. Yeah, because the Bible is about interpretation and everybody uses it exactly. for their own purpose. Yeah, yeah. Right. And when you get extremists with a very specific agenda, that's what happens. And I, I yeah. find the irony, you know, when we talk about the gay agenda, the gay agenda is something that, you know, extreme Christians have put forward. Um, they're the only one with the agenda in regards to gays because I, right. I, I didn't get the manifesto. I don't know if you guys did, but oh, I did that didn't come with my card. Definitely. So. I mean, my gay agenda is all about making pasta salad, remembering to go to the gym, you know, making sure I vacuum once a week. That's my gay agenda. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I always say is we don't have a lifestyle. We have a life. We have yep. a life like everybody else. Exactly. Yeah, I absolutely. And, and you know, we're we are everybody else. 
You know, we're families, we're, we're, we're doctors, lawyers, you know, ditch diggers. We're all those things. We are everyone else. I'm sorry. My, I have a dirty mind. I was going to say, I'm glad you said ditch diggers and not pipe layers, but that was just. Oh, I like pipe layers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you edit that in. (laughs) And we might, Kathleen, we might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's so important to dismantle these tools that are used historically against our community to take us down. Kathleen, can you give us the social handles for all the places where people can find out? You've already said the dates. We'll put them again in the show notes. But where people can buy tickets, can they buy tickets in advance? Tell us all of the things. Realpride.com, R-E-E-L-P-R-I-D-E.com. You can go right there and buy tickets and passes. Right now, we have all of our passes up and we have a four pack of tickets up as well. We normally don't sell tickets as far in advance, but we're doing a four pack. And we figure if you want to just see four films, you can buy your tickets now. Or if you want to take three friends, you know, buy four tickets. And this is kind of our way of saying, hey, let's get an investment in where it is more affordable for a single person or for a group of friends to do this. Also, I'm going to say, I don't have all the Instagram and the Twitter and all of that stuff. I'm not the social media girl, but realpride.com is where you can buy everything that you need. We're going to also, we've never done this before, but we're going to release about three or four titles in advance. And I'll tell you right now, and you'll be, you'll be, uh, well, depending on the date, I don't know if you'll beat us to it or beat our social media people to it. This episode will drop on the 8th of September. Oh, okay. Excellent. Then you probably will beat them. Oh, breaking news right here on the podcast. All right. (laughs) So our opening film is going to be Glitter and Doom. And we're really excited about that as our opening film. And uh, it has some really great music. I, I won't spoil it too much. There will be something coming out. And I'm sure plenty, plenty of people can Google it. But Glitter and Doom's coming. For our closing night, we're going to have, which is also the presidential pick, we're going to have Our Son uh, starring Billy Porter. And it's about an interracial couple who's going through some hard times. And, you know, they have a son. So it is a interracial family that is dealing with real life issues. Those are two that, that you know, the, the main two, the opening and the closing. And we have a few in the middle that are also wonderful films. And of course, shorts that are, are fun and poignant and necessary for our community. And for those who don't know, Billy Porter is from the series Pose and a whole bunch of other things, right? Yep. That Billy Porter. A whole okay. bunch of other things. Yeah. We do have a director who's coming from one of our movies that is a documentary about some drag queens. And we're hoping to turn that into a little local event and uh, we will have a Q&A panel. So we're excited about that. And, you know, we're excited. We're excited about being back in the old building and just trying to push through the new things. We, we understand at Real Pride that things will never go back to what they were. Right. And we now have to move forward in whatever that looks like. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, people, you know, they were worried about that. They didn't want to go back to the Tower Theater as long as uh, Lawrence was there and and that whole yeah. team. But they're not. So feel free to go back to the Tower. Well, thank Kathleen. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. We you. appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the things you guys do. All right. So thank you to Kathleen Reyna for that interview. Real Pride 34 happens September 29th to October 1st. 34 years of this in Fresno, people. This is a big deal. Started on the Fresno State campus and it's now went to the Tower Theater and then the Adventure Church thing happened and it had to go somewhere else. And now it's coming back to the Tower Theater. So it's kind of a revival here. 
you know, they need your money. They need support. Uh, sometimes it's not easy to, we're all supporting various things, but this is a very creative, artistic, um, fun thing to go to. You can buy season passes. You can buy individual tickets. You can buy tickets for other people, uh, maybe youth that can't go or other people in your community that can't afford to go. There are parties to go to. There are the um, after parties to go to. But basically support the film festival itself. I'm really looking forward to seeing the 1946 movie. That really is intriguing to me because we all know, or at least I know, how much I love to tear apart religion. And I think that's what that's going to do in a lot of ways. And the Billy Porter thing sounds really cool, too. That's the Our Son. Billy Porter and Luke Evans play a couple in that movie. That'll be really cool. And then what Kathleen was talking about, the youth events. So um, they need your support. Yeah, I'm also very excited to see the 1946. I'm curious to see the schedule. I really hope that it is not going to conflict with kickball. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, ding, ding, drink, 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 drink. Because, of course, we play on Saturday. So fingers crossed that I'm able to go and see it. It's just also, you guys, the, uh, like Kathleen said, these films are not av- the, the ones they're presenting currently and this current time frame are not available for streaming. So that's why. And you can see them on the big screen. Yeah, it's really cool to go to the movie with your friends, you know, and and to see LGBT stories on the big screen. It's a lot of fun. A lot of cool movies. I am very excited to see their full listing. And you can look at their website and watch all of their social media places for all of that stuff. And go out with your friends. And like Kaylee has said, go watch the movie. I know a lot of people go to the parties and they go for the parties. Yeah, I go for the movies. Go for the movies and then stand outside and go to the par- the after party from that movie and hang out with your friends. It's just important that we support the artistic community when we gather together and not just, you know, having a drink, which is cool. I want to have a drink, but let's go support art. Indeed. Speaking of supporting art and supporting local Fresno events, we are very excited about our next interview. I don't know if you've heard the rumors, Chris, but apparently there's big news in the drag world. Should we just jump right into it or should we tell the people what they're about to do? Well, I, I just want to say Cher called me yesterday and told and we <laughs> she wanted to talk about this. So let's just talk to the source. Okay, here we go. We are so excited to have with us today Leilani Price, the one and only. The only one. <laughs> the only one. So, Leilani, I've heard rumors that you are retiring. Put the rumors to bed. <laughs> what's going on with you? Uh, Tell us, bitch. Gonna... What's going on? <laughs> I'm going to be Lizzo. Yes, the rumors are true. I'm calling it quits. <laughs> it's just I, I'm going to – I when you've done so much for the community – and you feel like you are at the top of your game, you kind of want your focus shifts. So my focus shifted. Now I'm going back to school to get my master's in public health so I can eventually be a CEO for nonprofit organizations that are focused specifically in rural healthcare. So it's what I've been wanting to do for the longest time. But, you know, this persona that I created, Leilani Price, is kind of precedent over all of my own personal goals so yeah i I mean i know i've told you over the years make sure you pay attention to your life and not just the drag because you were doing it all and i know this isn't easy for you to to walk away from this when you say i'm walking away are you that's it i'm walking away or are you uh, you know where I'm going with this. We, Cher, Cher, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because uh, you're not sure. Cher did 17 farewell tours, and I think she's doing another one. So, you know, are you going to do guest appearances or are you just, you know, leaving? I, I'm I'm done for good. It's time to cut okay. up the wigs and uh, 
burn the burn the brawl. Oh, I I, <laughs> I decided officially like there's there's no coming back after this uh, again. I I'm I'm thankful for all the opportunities that I've had had in you know the past and the legacy that I'm leaving behind and you know like the footprints in your sand and all the cliche things I'm supposed to say. But you know you you get to a point where it's just also not fun. And it, you know, it's yeah, like, am yeah. I, am I, am I good enough? You know, or it, it's not even that it's, you know, when you sell out a venue or you sell out a show, you, you know, and you're constantly, and I'm going to brag a little, this is going to sound like very narcissistic, but when you sell out a show and then it's like, there's really nothing else to, you know, to look forward to. It's like, okay, I have sold out shows. Yay. I'm, I've host this, I've done this. I've had this accolade. Like what, what is the next goal for me? For me, I feel like I've already accomplished and got like my doctrine in drag and i think it's time to let other people shine and you know develop themselves that's awesome so you have been a staple of the fresno drag community for (laughs) a long time and uh (laughs) (laughs) so tell us like uh, like, do you have like a highlight reel like what's what's some of your favorite things that you were able to do or shepherd in or like highlights of your very long and illustrious career I'll, i'll name three uh top three favorite moments ever is uh, number one, the life of Lay, the man behind the makeup. I'm gonna get emotional. I do apologize. That movie got to show an insight of who I am as an individual. You know, I was very private as Leilani. Just so people know, this is a documentary that was done about you, right? Okay. Yes, that All is right. correct. The, okay. the first and only uh, documentary of a drag queen in 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 Fresno that shared showed at the uh, Fresno Rainbow. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Real Pride, Real Pride, and it was a very private. You know, a lot of. Uh, the guests that attended got to watch it and got to see a different side of me, see that I'm very insecure, very, uh, there's a lot of doubt, a lot of hard work that goes into my brand. So uh, to see the community come out and to have worked with so many people, not Brian, Andrew Losh, Martin, you know, and just be so supportive of me, it was amazing. The second thing, the second highlight of my career has to be winning Queer of the Year with Common Space. It was unexpected. To be honest, um, but to hear some of the nominations that I had received, it was very heartwarming. What a cry! Just so everyone knows, Lonnie's not in drag right now, so no. crying is not going to wear the makeup <laughs> off. So, girl, you can yeah. feel free to cry. It was it was one a very good highlight because I dedicated it back to the people who really deserve it. You know, I, I say tirelessly. You know, we are the community. We have to, you know, support our community. And I would not be Leilani Price if I didn't have the support of the community. So that meant a lot to me. Let me take a breath. And my family was there. So that's a very important moment for me. The last thing is to be the first drag queen ever to host Gay Pride. I've done it, I think, four years in a row consecutively. Jeff Robinson, uh, we had a conversation. I was Grand Marshal one year, and then he was like, girl, you need to be on the mic with me. Uh, I miss Jeff so much. And it was completely different this year having without him there. Um, last year was emotional. This year, it just felt like... I, I was just there and present, so I had made the decision as well to walk. But that was actually the first thing that was like the spark, which was like the, okay, you did what you needed to do. You know, it was it was a conversation that I had with Jeff about being the first and the only. And then when he was obviously his past, but uh, being there this last year, it just it felt wrong for me to be there. It just I didn't I felt out of place. Believe it or not, I was fumbling over my words. That was like the catalyst to me making the decision of like, hey, yes, I'm I am stepping away and yes it's going to be for good so those are the my three big highlights 
I think what's interesting about creative people, there are creative people that get up and perform or write or talk or whatever. The three of us are all creative people. I always say if you're not nervous and you're not a wreck and you're not insecure and you're not self-conscious, you're not doing it right. Right. So that means you give good performance, you do good writing, you do good speaking, you do whatever. But it also means it takes an extensive toll on you emotionally. Very much so. And 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 mentally, um, I'll, I'll share with everyone. I am very been a huge advocate for therapy. Most of my therapy sessions include some type of Leilani-ism, as we like to call it, um, where I, I reflect back on something that I did, or maybe there was something that I said or a performance that I did or something that was a, a, an event that I was tied to, you know, and it, it's, it, it always comes back to my therapist telling me like, Hey, it's it's you. Remember, like, yes, you are. You feel that you are a brand, but ultimately, it's you. People genuinely love to see you. That's a that's been in the back of my mind ever since then. And uh, when I made the decision, it was like, you know, I want people to. I'll still be involved in the community. Don't get me wrong. I still have some uh, obligations. I just won't be doing them in drag. I'm going to like focus my energy as Paul, and uh, and be the the advocate that I wish I had when I was a child. That's great. Well, I know that you're going to do great, wonderful things, no matter if you're in drag or not in drag, because I know that you did great things when you weren't in drag, even before when you were still doing Leilani and also Paul, because I got to hang out with Paul every now and then back in the GCV days. (laughs) Yeah, we were all on the board of Gay Central Valley together, and we all helped Mm -hmm. run that nonprofit. Definitely an inspiration for sure. So uh, you talked just briefly about stepping off the stage to let that light find maybe the next generation or the next. Uh, do you have protégés or have you been training people? I know in the drag, I don't know. I've been told that in the drag world, there's like. Fan- <laughs> I was going to say, finish that. No, thought, no. I want to see where you go with this. I've been told that in the drag world, there's like the moms, uh, drag moms. And then there's like a training process and like like a lot of familial support and stuff. So can you speak to that and how your your decision and your stepping away has affected your drag world and family? I'm going to sound brutally honest here. Uh, there are no drag queens or kings that I feel that will, you know, fit the mold of Leilani. You know, because Leilani is a multi, multi-tasker, multi-faceted person. She, did, she does everything, you know, from sewing costumes to the business management, you know, creating a website, working with partners, going after sponsors, you name it. Like, again, I am my own brand. I treat Leilani as a business and I don't see that anyone in this industry right now in our community has that drive. I could be wrong. I just, I myself personally don't see it. Um, I see Queens just being very basic, wearing Fashion Nova and performing mixes that you find on YouTube, which to me is kind of like boring. There's no originality anymore. So for me, no, there's no little Leilani Price Jr. running around uh, cutting wigs up. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> there have been queens and, and I still will sew for everyone. Uh, that's not going to stop. I'm still going to support the community and offer, you know, discounted costumes. Uh, you know, Shannon, uh, my, my drag mom had a uh, big shoes to fill. She was, you know, on the radio, you know, as a drag persona, she was a huge advocate for, you know, equality. And I feel like, you know, right now there's not that one person that really stands out that I can take under my wing and, you know, give guidance. I think everyone now has like their own individual mentality or personality so let me ask you this what do you think about what's going on across the country with drag queens and transgender people being vilified and condemned and exiled and legislated against on all of this where do you think that's going and how do we fight that i think it's going to go a lot further to be completely honest and it scares me i think it's a distraction 
to be completely transparent. I think there's a bigger picture that's that's happening here. I think I think people are being distracted by like the let's pin it against, you know, the LGBTQ community. But I think it's a much larger thing. I think it's like let's focus on what what we think is right. And just because you think it's right doesn't mean that it's right. That's your opinion. That's how you feel. It's unfortunate, especially our trans brothers and sisters that are being vilified. I think they're doing it because they're the least supported out of our entire group Mm -hmm. and they're the least vocal. I don't identify as a trans person, but I can sympathize with them because I think what they're wanting is they just want to blend in with everyone. Everyone just wants to, you know, be accepted as who they are. I think it's going to get worse to be completely honest. I I agree. And I think the next, next year, next political election is going to be a little chaotic. I'm a little worried for my brothers and sisters protect yourselves, vote, go out there and vote. I've said this before, you know, your vote does matter. I, I, I am fearful of our, what's going to happen in our next generation. I think people are being misled. I agree. And I, we've talked to other people about this and I, I don't like to say this because it sounds like a victim, but I feel depressed a lot of the time because I see where this is going. I see where it's gone before. And I don't know in this day and age that we have the same tools we had to fight back as we did before, like coming out and protesting Mm -hmm. and all that, because it's all been done. So it's all been seen and done. I think that, you know, LGBTQ plus people, I think a lot of the criticism we get from those that are against us are saying, you know, you make too much noise. You're always shouting at us. You're always screaming and and demanding that we accept your lifestyle. And and really, what you said is true. The goal of the LGBTQ community, I feel, at least it's my goal, is I don't want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. I don't want this to have to be a part of our lives. I want us to be treated just like everybody else and walk the streets and go to grocery stores and department stores and movies just like everybody else and not have to look behind our backs and worry. We're only screaming because we don't have our rights and it's just getting worse. Yeah. I I, I live in Kingsburg now. And to be affectionate with my partner, it, it does scare me. You know, we do have oh, some. Yeah. Pr- we have some very visible proud boys here. So to be my true, authentic self, like you know, before in Fresno, I would walk walk out of the house with a wig, and the neighbor would be like, "Yes, queen." I can't do that here. Are they literal proud boys, or are they just the same mentality? No, as like the proud boys? there's a truck with Confederate flag oh, and a Trump flags. Uh, if you drive down Kingsburg, we like to go to a, a local uh, ice cream shop here. I won't say the name, and they're normally parked across the street at a particular place. And you have these big four by four trucks with their flags. And are they parked there at another venue that they go to, or why are they parked mm-hmm. there? Yeah, they're oh, parked they there. Yeah, to go frequent the uh, the okay. bar that's there. Oh, the bar. But okay. you know, when they put the flags on the trucks, and a lot of that stuff is is intimidation. Like the whole Correct. point was so that everybody sees them, and then we're all scared all the time. And it's a it's a form of terrorism, and it's awful. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that you're having to go through that. And it's crazy because yes, Kingsburg is. Kingsburg it's small and it's you know whatever but it's also in California and it's not that far from Fresno and I think sometimes people get into your little bubble like you said like if you live in the tower you're like yes queen and then you Mm -hmm. go outside and it's it's shocking how different it is and yeah there's lots of communities in the Central Valley and across California that are highly conservative that we kind of get shielded from if we don't live there Paul Um, (laughs) uh, because because we think we're in California but we just we all saw what just happened that woman near Lake Arrowhead that was murdered just simply for flying a pride flag. So 
it's all around us. Mm -hmm. And when you see how people vote, it's very closely conservative in this area, and we can lose elections pretty easily. Right. Was the current swash of anti-drug, anti-drug you know, drug shows, et cetera, did that figure into your retirement at all? There was some some fear in me a little, but just for my own safety as well. I've, been, I've thought about it. You know, we work in nightclubs and ever since Pulse happened, it's always been in the back of my mind. Like, and I know jokingly posting, uh, you know, you don't want to make light of those things. So, you know, it's, but there have been times where I'm like, FYI, y'all, in case emergency, the exits are here, here, and here, and here. It's sad that we have to do that, though, you know? But you try to make light of it because you want everyone that you're th that's there to feel at ease and comfortable. But, I mean, nowadays, you don't even know. Tower has gotten so crazy. There's so much police uh, visibility there. I mean, yes, good job, Tower, I guess, but also bad job because the crime is still there people are still yeah. you know i was there at fab working and we had a lockdown because there was a shooting at bobby's you know and it's it's, right. it, wow. it's scary yeah it's scary you don't think that those things are gonna happen but they are happening and that was just what like two or three months ago that was pretty mm -hmm. recent wasn't it yeah. yeah even pride weekend there was there was a shooting and a stabbing and a fist fight or at, something at the end of the day right. yeah, yeah. At, in that night yeah you know it's interesting what you say because as lgbtq people we want to promote joy because we we have our community there's a large community in fresno in the central valley we have our community we're at a certain point in time 2023 we know who we are we know what we're fighting for and we and we're really pissed that you know, they're going after drag shows, which is a lot of the joy in our community and is pretty much just about joy. At the same time, we want to be realistic and, like you said, tell people, okay, you might have to go out the back door because that it's a balance for us. It's a, it's a balancing act that's really tough to do right now. It kind of takes away the soul of who we are. Mm -hmm. And I think people forget, too, that drag is, drag is art. You know, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's political, sometimes it's offensive. And I always said, if if what I'm doing offends you, then I'm doing my job correctly. Right. And I think that's what has always made Leilani stand out is because, yeah, sometimes I will I will say something that could borderline be offensive and maybe offend, a, you know, a small group of individuals or a large group of individuals. You have but offended me so many fucking times. I don't even know how to tell you. I'm just just, <laughs> you're, just kidding. Just kidding. you're welcome. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, you know, and it, it's just it's it's one of those things where, you know, I, I really do hate that, you know, when we did the drag story hour at Fresno State, there was a lady in like Wyoming, or I don't know where the fuck she was from, but she had took posts from my Instagram because we had did a theme a night at Fab and it was like uh, toddlers and tiaras. And like we were making fun of like the pageantry of, you know, being a child in a pageant system. So we like had fun with it. And so she took video or like there was like video that I had posted or photos and she was like, this is a fetish like they're into baby and all this other stuff. And oh I was like, whoa, 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 first of all, think of it like I'm an actor. And I was like very I can't my cool with people. It's very rare that I like go online and be like, you are a fucking bitch, you know, but she I was like, think of it like we're an actor or like a paid entertainer. That's exactly what we're doing. We're given an assignment. We're going out there and executing it. You know, if you feel that this is a fetish, why don't you get to know the actual person and find out that, no, it's not a fetish for me. In fact, I love children. I want to have children myself. We were just doing a job, you know, the yeah. same thing as it applies to, you know, anything that we do. And then she took another, I think I was licking a pool and she was and the lines were like lyrics from a song. And she was like, this is sexually explicit and you're exposing this to kids. And I was like, this is 
is literally a song that's played on the fucking radio. <laughs> like if you if you want to really like say something, why don't, why aren't you going after that artist that is literally saying, you know, eight inches of pipe, you know, and I'm looking a pole. What's more offensive? What you, what you're hearing on the radio or me looking a pole? And let's be honest, me licking the pole is probably like, why are you licking the pole? What's really wrong with you? <laughs> then yeah, I, have, I have video of that. I'm just letting you know. But, you know, they never go after the child pageants, though, that you were just talking about. They never go after them. I brought mm-hmm. that up when I was yelling at the Proud Boys at the Our Savior's Church back in December. I'm like, what about child beauty pageants? And they were like, eh, they don't even want to talk about it. But, I mean, that's been sexualizing children for decades. Right. Yeah, they don't know what, but they don't want to talk about it because it doesn't fit their narrative, and that's what it. Right, that's the problem right. here is that people will spin whatever they want to spin to, to whatever fits their narrative, and that's what people p- pick up on the media, and it's like, oh, this is because of this. No, why don't you look at it as in its entirety? But they don't do that because right. they want right. the drama. That's what that's right. what we live in. We live in a world of drama. Indeed. Right. So speaking of the clubs, where are your is your final performance going to be? Yes. So I have four final performances in September. I'm, I'm <laughs> I ca- knew it. I, I, I have, fucking knew it. I am counting. <laughs> I am counting them down. Oh, okay. So three lead ups and one final. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Kaylee, a final doesn't mean final. In <laughs> Apparently <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> So tell me more specifically about these final performances. Like what, what are the ones that are leading up? And then what's the big, big last one? Gotcha. So on, as of the third, we had did my last brunch at Vibes. Great time. We announced the host there. The one after that will be the Breakfast House on September 17th. Tickets are available still. If you haven't got your tickets, get them now because we're going to sell out. It's also our last show that we're doing there. Uh, the owner has decided, you know, with Lay, she was our brand of Mimosa and we don't want to replace her. So they decided to uh, end Mimosa there. I am doing a benefit show because, of course, why wouldn't I? On the 22nd with Delicious of Stolen Goods at the Red Lantern for the AIDS walk. I'm donating a cake for that, Leilani. So I want you to eat a piece of cake while you're doing your last drag number there. I will, I will dunk my face in the cake or slam my face in the cake. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> and then my final, final show would be at Fab on September 23rd, which is a Saturday. That'll be for Ooh Pop, now with your host, uh, Storm McQueen. It, it makes sense. I was at Fab for almost eight years. So it, it felt right to end my career, as you would say there. So um, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous because uh, I s- probably still won't know my words to any of these songs that I want to do. But um, I, I shared with Andrew Losh, and, and I'll share with you guys as well and, and the rest of the listeners, is these last numbers are very meaningful. See, I'm crying. I'm so emotional today, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it works perfectly for us. Go with it. <laughs> yes. uh, so... My last performances are songs that I've either wanted to do or were like pivotal parts of my 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 career as a drag queen that I wanted to either redo on my look or, you know, give one more last hurrah where I was like, yes, this is the best performance that I ever did this number. So and I, I'll give a spoiler alert. One of them is Kelly Clarkson. Those of you who know me know I love Kelly Clarkson and Katy Perry. But I had recently saw Kelly Clarkson and she did this version of the song. And I was like in tears in Vegas. We were like front row center and she's singing it's an acoustic version. And I'm just like so teary eyed. And it means a lot because it, it doesn't only mean a lot to me. It means a lot to my family. It means a lot to my sister, which I'm going to dedicate to. And I'm happy that I'm finally going to be able to, to do that because I really didn't have the opportunity to, to do that at like a club. It's a very like somber 
Oh, here we go. Depressed song. <laughs> and this is you're talking about your performance at Fab, right? Yes. On the on the twenty third. Yes. How are you going to make it without crying the whole? Yeah, song? that was going to be my question. <laughs> oh, I'm a I'm a fucking mess. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm listening to the songs in the car and I'm crying on my way to work. So you know, is it like am I depressed because of work? Am I depressed because of lay? <laughs> Probably both. No. Um. It, it is. I guess you could say it's like, it, it's not even bittersweet. It's just like, as you go into, you know, a new chapter of your life, a new season of your life, you start to realize like, damn, this is like, this is it. So I do get a little emotional talking about it. And maybe that's why I haven't felt like the juice uh, or like the push to want to be in drag more or to like elevate or even make any more different, like in a more of extravagant costume than what I've already had is because you know, I know that the chapter is closing and I know what I have in mind and what I have in store for the participants and people watching is going to be something that they've never seen of Lay before, which I'm excited about. You're actually going to see a polished drag queen for the first time. <laughs> and, oh, uh, please. It's a very emotional time for me. And I, I, I got to be honest, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a mess all of September as I celebrate my birthday. So. You know, I think it's, uh, I mean, everybody in the community appreciates what you've done over the years. And I, did you start at the circle? Is that when you started doing drag? I started at Legends. Oh, it started at Legends. Okay. Mm -hmm. I started with the cover girls. Uh, that That's tea. I'll spill it just a little bit. I started at the yeah, circle. Please. I was maybe two months in. I had performed once or twice. I got asked to join the cast. I joined the cast. And then on my third month, they had Shannon and Jeff had decided to part ways which led an opening for the show and i kind of feel like it was a little shady on both of their ends like oh you know here's the new host gig and i'm like i'm the brand new girl you had patty and uh kitty that were the the main uh there was three hosts that were the main host and then jeff was like you're our new host and it pissed all the girls off yeah and then uh shannon's like don't do it if you do it like you're not my daughter anymore and i'm like it's an opportunity for me i'm gonna take advantage of it you know um, and we talked about it afterwards and, you know, she was like, I was, you know, feeling my type of way. And I said, I had to take care of what was important to me. And at that time it was developing a career in drag. I became the most hated drag queen. Like I've always wanted to be. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, you soared right to the top of the charts there, girl. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's unfortunate that bars in Fresno feel like they have to compete with, with each other. There were some bars in Fresno and the circle was one of them. The express was another who did not try to compete with the other bars. They tried to accommodate the other bars and not do, you know, a Latin night on Thursday. If you were doing a Latin night on Thursday, it's a, you know, dog eat dog business and bars in Fresno generally last about seven years. So, you know, what, what Paul is saying is true. It was cutthroat. Yeah, very much that, you know, and then um, I went over to the circle Rode, rode that as long as we could. You know, I loved working with you and James. And then, you know, we had the Lotus show that was there for about two years. And unfortunately, the Lotus girls weren't really pulling much of an audience. So, you know, we decided to dismember and I became Empress. Let me say disband, not dismember, because that was oh, very yeah. Freudian <laughs> that you wanted to dismember the other girls yes, of Lotus. I was like, oh, that sounds different. <laughs> yes. That one. We that got that one. on tape, girl. You want to dismember them. I got it. There were a few bitches that had it coming to them. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah, and then we, you know, I decided to run for Empress and I did that and that was fun. Uh, those of you who can't see me right now, that was the uh, sarcastic smile. And that was fun and quotes. Yes. Quotes. yes. 
won't do that again. And then I moved over to Fab and I spent most of my time at Fab. But the real part or the real joy of becoming, you know, Leilani was building my brand and, you know, reaching out to businesses and starting, you know, small little business, like little opportunities for people like myself. I was starting a brunch show. Um, the Breakfast House was so welcoming. We had walked in and, you know, there's a bartender. I think his name was Michael. We were filling it out. Me and my friend Corey were going at a couple of different places because she was my co, my partner in Mimosa. And we were filling it out, and I asked the guy, I said, I had a little drinks, you know, I get a little a little tipsy at times. Yeah, you notice I said nothing. <laughs> I said nothing. That was one time, and I was wearing my <laughs> drinking wig. Your drinking wig? They're is there all... booze in the wig itself? Or <laughs> No, they're, they're all drinking wigs, to be honest. Uh, I was going to say, there you go. <laughs> Um, it, we went there, and, you know, we had a couple of drinks and talked to a couple of people, and I, I, I you know, like to to gay it up a little bit and he was like oh people would love you here they would love you so then we met with the owner and they actually uh there's two there was simone and her father sam and we had a, a couple of shots and talked a little bit about business and we said yeah this is something that we want to do had our first show sold out nervous as hell as anyone would be and you know we started a partnership after that I actually believe that Mimosa is three years strong, minus COVID, so I guess technically two and a half, because we still had shows right leading up to like the actual work. You couldn't go and do anything and be anywhere, the actual lockdown, and I was super fortunate to work with them. And then I connected with Vibes, and Vibes wanting Gabby had been huge supporters. And, and I, I will say this, and this is no shade to no one, but when you get to a point of your, your drag, you know what you're worth. And they they understood my worth, and I appreciate them and the Breakfast House for their financial contributions to my education. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, we've interviewed Ona and Gabby on the show, and they both speak very highly of you. Now you're Paul, I suppose. So we should we should call you Paul. So Paul, what's going to happen to Leilani's socials? Are you going to be approachable and reachable as Paul? Are the socials going away? Like what what do your fans do in this big Leilani sized void in our hearts? What's going on? So yes, I'm still going to keep all the socials primarily because of all the memories that we have with people. I hate when people delete stuff off Facebook and it's like, oh, you know, we, we you know, we had that amazing journey or their amazing memory. Um, I don't want to ever miss that i have made some great friendships and i lost some you know some people in my life but i would still like to keep those memories so that's going to stay on there i'm still going to be a huge advocate i'm still going to have lay socials i just won't be lay the drag persona and aren't you and i hosting an event together or did you agree to that yes i did in october Okay. October 15th, uh, Paul and I will be co-hosting the event at Gazebo Gardens. That's uh, an, a fundraising event for the LGBTQ plus scholarship at Fresno State. Will that be one of your first times as hosting a th and doing an event as Paul? Yes. Oh, very cool. Okay. Inaugural Paul. So I lose half my jokes right away. <laughs> You'll be so much more comfortable. You'll be able to wear comfy clothes and, and no. no. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. I'm I'm, I, well, okay. So it, there's my partner, Michael. Uh, we have this joke where I'm like, he's like, I he watches me get all ready. And then like the moment I walk in the door, he's like, action, you know, because he's like, oh, you're about to put it on for them. And he, he's absolutely right. You know, when I walk out with my wigs and lashes, or I'm heading to a, a gig, it's like, the moment I walk in the door, it's boom, it's business, yeah. you know, and she, she, she comes out. But the moment I get home or the moment I take off my wig and I get to be vulnerable, like, I'm like, oh, my God, I made so many mistakes today. And I want my hoodie. I want my basketball shorts. I want to wear my Crocs. And I just want to watch movies. And I just want to be on TikTok and not, like, look at anything on social media. 
because it it is it, it i gotta tell you guys it's it is overwhelming oh yeah you know i don't know how celebrities do it I, and i don't consider myself like famous or a celebrity um i just it, it it's overwhelming it is, you know and is. then you have the, the the people like oh you know you know as patrons go to the bars or whatever it's like oh let me have a photo with you and do this and, da, da, da. and i'm like ah, okay <laughs> you know I, I say the same like i said earlier about creative people and when i used to dj at the clubs it was i loved it i was passionate about it. i loved it to death but it was exhausting at a certain point because every night before I would put my set together and plan what was going to happen, I would think, are they going to like this? Are they not going to like this? I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if this song is appropriate. It was nonstop. And it's the same for all creative people. It's exhausting. If you're a mm -hmm. real, truly creative person and you, you know, you're nervous and you think about it and you're self-conscious and all that. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for being with us today. And I cannot overstate the the awesomeness of Leilani here in Fresno for sure, but I'm very excited to to keep in touch with you and to see the next couple chapters of your life and go to Gazebo Gardens in October and see how Paul hosts an event with Chris. That's <laughs> going to be fun. Yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch and have you back when you've got your degree. You're starting your master's, right? You said? Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. Because you have a partner now too. I wasn't going to mention until you just mentioned it. So that's a new <laughs> part of your life, right? Yes, we've been together for about two and a half years now. Uh, again, I'm very private, so not a lot of people get to see that. Like, he'll come to the club, he'll go to the brunch show, but it's not like there's no PDA. I'm not going up and kissing and hugging on him or none of that stuff. And we had a very strong agreement is, hey, you're you're coming into a lot, just so you yeah, know. Yeah, really, prepare uh, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be times where, yes, like, I may need you, and there's going to be times where, I have the attention of other people around me and I don't want you to be upset. So one of the things that I started to do is because I got feedback from, uh, you know, previous partners was when you walk into a room, like I feel obsolete and I don't want my partner now to ever feel that way. So anytime that there's an opportunity where people are gathering or together, I always introduce him first and make sure that people acknowledge him because I think that's the most respectable thing I can do. But yeah, it's great. We just we just had got back from Hawaii and, you know, we're planning another trip. So hopefully next year in April, you will uh, see me on my socials and I will be in uh, London, hopefully uh, enjoying enjoying my time. Yeah. Uh, one of my goals was to travel a little bit more, get to experience life since I was so busy helping out, you know, with the community and working very hard. Now I I am now financially stable where I can go in and afford, and afford these trips that I want to go to, you know, see the, see the world. Like I yeah, because people drag is expensive. It's fucking expensive. It, yeah. That, and that's why I started sewing for myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I could do wigs, but I hate touching hair like that. So it's just, <laughs> I'd rather make costumes. <laughs> all right, Paul. Well, we thank you so much. We will miss Leilani, but we have the wonderful memories. And you all heard when Paul is doing his final performances, at least on this farewell tour. So please <laughs> go. Please go Suck to that. <laughs> please go to those performances and honor Leilani for all she's done for the community. Thank you, sweetheart, for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. All right, so Leilani Price. I mean, come on, a legend in the Fresno drag and LGBTQ plus community. We really appreciate her being on. And Leilani Price, who is Paul Hernandez before he steps into the phone booth. And if you don't know what a phone booth is, children, call me and we'll talk about it or look it up for Christ's sake. <laughs> but don't use a phone booth to call him because yeah. those don't exist. They're not out there. Have you seen the videos of parents showing their kids old phone, rotary phones and stuff, and they don't even know it's a phone and they, they're like, what, what do I do with it? I showed my daughter when she was like 
seven or eight, eight maybe, um, a payphone. We were at a rest stop and she's like, yeah. I don't know what this is. And I was like, it's a payphone. And she's like, I don't want she was so confused. I know it's so it's you so pay. Bizarre. I don't get it. Yeah. Anyway, but Any- Paul Hernandez, the, who the formerly Leilani Price, now, now. back to back to Paul Hernandez. Tell us what Paul Hernandez is going to be doing. So Paul Hernandez, if my friend and I are going to be co-hosting the Rainbow Wonderland Garden Party, which is on Sunday, October fifteenth, from six to eight p.m. at Gazebo Gardens in Fresno. This is in support of Fresno State's LGBTQ2 plus studies endowed scholarship, which um, you can become a sponsor of this event. We will post information online. I've posted it many times. Anywhere from $100 up to $5,000, you can sponsor this event and get tickets. And all the money goes to starting the very first ever LGBTQ2 plus studies endowed scholarship at Fresno State. Very cool. Is there going to be, so Gazebo Gardens obviously is a beautiful setting and there's usually like food trucks and music. So is this food trucks and music? There are food trucks, there's music, there's uh, drag performances. Yeah, all that's going to be there. How fun. Very cool. And, and I have f- hosted many events in the past with Leilani Price, and I think I've hosted a couple with Paul. So it's going to be nice to um, host this, one of the first events, Paul Hernandez, as just Paul Hernandez. I think he might be wearing ladies' underwear underneath just to keep a little part of it going. We'll see. I'll ask him. Oh, my God. In fact, I might wear some ladies' underwear just to be in, you know. Coming you know, to a TikTok near him. you. Yeah, really. <laughs> I didn't say I'd show it, but I might wear it. <laughs> Picks or it didn't happen. Oh, That's how that after, works. At sometimes. the end of the night, who knows? That's right. <laughs> There's no silent auction, but... Uh... <laughs> there might be a very vocal auction. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, very cool. Now, Chris, I that's it for our main segments, but I know you had something you wanted to talk about involving Burger King. Burger King. Burger King. You did not give me any heads up i don't know what this is you just put in the notes burger king so i i don't even have i don't have a segue i'm you don't need one you don't need one tell Um, me let me just say if i had a dollar for every time somebody told me they had a whopper and when i unwrapped the package they did not i'd have a few dollars but this (laughs) is (laughs) i'd have three (laughs) dollars they usually were whoppers so i didn't always have but i was i wasn't always disappointed but it happened So I just think this is the coolest thing. There is a class action lawsuit against Burger King because the advertisements of the Burger King Whopper are nothing like the Whopper you get when you go to Burger King. And this went before a judge in the last couple of weeks to determine if this lawsuit can go forward because I I think anyone would think, oh, he's going to toss this out. He did not. He said it can go forward, so there will be a class action lawsuit saying that the Burger King San- or the Burger King Whopper that you get at the restaurant is thirty percent. They even have it down to this thirty percent less Whopper esque. Oomph! <laughs> yes, Whopper esque than the ones you see on TV. I just think this is the. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I think this is the coolest thing ever. Now. I will not let Kalia make the age comment. I'm going to make it myself. But you know, thirty years ago. When you got a Whopper at Burger King, it was exactly like the Whopper you see on TV. And when you used to get a Big Mac 140 years ago, it was the exact same Big Mac you saw on TV. So, you know, a lot of younger people may not think this is a big deal because they grew up with these piddly little sandwiches that were not like what you saw in the advertisements. But when I was younger, what you saw on TV is what you got in the restaurant. And I'm I'm not saying this because I care that 
I don't eat fast food, but I mean, I don't care directly about this. What I care about is that the companies have deliberately reduced the size of portions, not just in um, fast food, but in food in the grocery store and everywhere, reduced the size of it and increased the price. So it's, I just hope this goes through and I hope this wins. I read today that Taco Bell's being sued for the Taco Bell um, Mexican pizza because it's not substantial as, as you see online. There were several out there's some place that has boneless wings that is not even wings. It's just chicken breast. They're being sued for that. So, I mean, this is, and this is going to open up a whole spate of lawsuits against these companies, which I'm, will fizzle out eventually, but I think it's fantastic. I mean, truth in advertising, right? People, you ought to be able to advertise what, what actually it is so that you know what you're paying But I for. would like somebody to do a class action suit is there is underwear on Amazon that has a bulge built into it. And there is underwear that have has an ass built into it. Now, gay boys out there, go out there and create a class action lawsuit for this underwear that has a big old penis built into it that I don't know how this works. You get home. You take it off after a few drinks, it's not going to be there. So I don't really understand all this stuff. But, you know, Sue. I I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> nope. Well, I mean, women have been doing fake boobs for years. They stuff their bras and they do these, these rubber implants and stuff. And then they get home, they take it off and there ain't nothing there. I mean, aren't, aren't people disappointed? That's false advertising is what that is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. False advertising. So sue the motherfuckers. That's what I say. Okay. Well, on that note, I all this talk of Whoppers has made me hungry, and I'm going to go eat some dinner. Oh, for food, you mean? Okay. All right. Yes, for food. Chris. Where do you go from here? Where do you fucking go from here? Before we can no longer be friends, remind me that you like candy corn. <laughs> it's okay. I love candy there corn. There you go. Okay, we're back. We're back. I'll make you a candy corn cheesecake. No, please do not do that. That sounds like that sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not, it does sound disgusting. This has been a great episode. We are going to be back in your ears next week. We have a live show that we'll be recording at the KFCF studios. We've got some interesting guests lined up. Fingers crossed that everything works out. If not, it'll be a lot of just us reading statements from people who refuse to come on and uh, be interviewed live. But we can do that. Either way. Yes. Maybe there will be funny voices. I'm not sure. We'll see. Please go ahead and uh, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on threads. You can email us at it's a queer thing, T H A N G at gmail.com. Please like the show, share the show, tell your friends to listen to the show. Of course, go get yourself a library card. Go get yourself a whopper. It'll be sad. It won't be what you expect. But you know what? Sometimes a little bit of meat is all you need. All right, you guys. We will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Do you need, is this recorded? We're not, not recording video, but we like to see you when we talk to you. But no, we're only recording the audio. Okay, perfect. Our podcast is an audio only podcast because <laughs> some of us don't like being on video. There's yes. no video podcasts, are there? There are. Oh, there are? Yeah, but no, no, I'm sorry, Chris. There are not. It does not exist. Nope. Oh, just because nope. you don't want us to move into that arena. I see. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to move into that arena either. Oh, okay. Well, then, yes, there are, but I don't okay. want to do it. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs>